This podcast is sponsored by Nobody because it was originally intended just as a school project. Now, it's time for Thursdays with Mom. Enjoy. Procrastination at its finest. Thursday night, 9.30, I walked into my house after my trumpet lesson, and my mother was relaxing on the couch, cuddled with our two cats. Knowing it was about bedtime for my mother, I reluctantly asked if we could conduct the interview I had mentioned earlier in the week. It was due on Friday, the next day, of course. We sat down at the dining room table. With a mess of wires all somehow finding their way to microphones in front of us, me at the head of the table, my mother beside me, our conversation began. Awkward, at first, I'll say. Due to the unnatural setting of, you know, forced conversation, I attempted to ease in by simply starting off from her childhood. Interestingly enough, my whole life had been filled with occasional stories from my father, Douglas Walters, sitting on my porch at my old house, long car rides, or at the dinner table, my father would entertain us with endless stories of life growing up in a rural small town in upstate New York. Images of my father, young and free, riding his bike down dirt roads and through forests, playing pickup bo- baseball games with the neighborhood kids, and eating ice cream at Jimmy Coon's gas station would flow through my imagination. By the end of the interview, I learned that somehow my father knew he had to tell us these stories before it was too late. Lisa Joy Walters, my mother, grew up only 15 minutes away from my old house, yet I knew very little of her childhood. Though the knowledge of my father's childhood was vast and intricate, This was definitely an intriguing place to start with my mother. My mother had always described her childhood as boring, which seemed like an understatement. Does anybody actually have a boring childhood? I quickly learned that it was not as boring as earlier perceived. Right next door to her lives her best friend, Joy. That reminded me much of my childhood. Also living on Long Island, my brother and I lived next door to our best friend as well. This was an interesting and sort of random connection, but one that I knew would help me grasp life as my mother, because Joy had quite an influence on her life, and so did my neighbor. Joy was born again Baptist, and my mother a Reformed Jew, which in essence is an interesting combo during the 1970s. Although my grandmother was never too strict on religion, so Joy piqued my mother's curiosity as she went and explored other religions. While maintaining her Jewish heritage, my mother actually spent time participating in Joy's backyard Christian youth group and envied her Sunday routines. And every Sunday, she would go to church. And after every church, she would go out to lunch. I always wanted to do that. Go out to lunch after church. Yeah, I wanted to go to (laughs) church, and then I wanted to go to lunch. (laughs) Okay. And I haven't done that yet. I'd always held on to this minor detail. In these later years, my mother loves both church and brunch. This past year, she attended church almost every Sunday and has even invited my brother and I out to brunch on several occasions. But what is it that's stopping her from doing both even once in her life? More or less make it her weekly routine like she'd always hoped. Does she even know what's stopping her? Or is it this some big coincidence that she just has never had the time in her busy schedule for both. While being engulfed in my mother's interest in all religions at such a young age, I also was dying to know 
what life was like growing up in the late 1970s. No matter how many Netflix series I watched in the 1900s, I just feel like there was missing something, you know? It just feels too forced. Almost as if the director had been too focused on the wardrobe and props from the 70s rather than the actual lifestyle. And movies that are filmed in the 1970s? Well, there's always a lack of appreciation for the time period and too much focus on the storyline. I can forgive this, though. Films nowadays do the same. It's quite a shame, though. No director takes time to insert quips of dialogue and actions that perfectly replicate the time period. But I digress. Quite frankly, there was one time when my mom asked me to call for her. I don't know if you had known this story. I did not. She said, why don't you go call for Joy? So I sat on the lawn and yelled, Joy! <laughs> Is that really how it worked? Well, she then explained to me that calling for somebody simply meant going over to their home and knocking on the door. But I'm also led to believe that to this some extent, my mother's silly story was not so silly. Is this a common scenario? Sitting on the lawn and calling for your friend? It seems so indicative of the time, and simply a scenario I've just never experienced before, even while living next door to my childhood best friend, just like my mother. Maybe my mother should be a film director. Eventually we just found each other in a vortex of endless stories. Forgetting the microphones were even sitting in front of us. More stories from Joy's house that involved tortillas for dinner and big bowls of ice cream for dessert. When not a choice, she was eating homemade grilled cheese at my grandmother's. Still the best grilled cheese she has had, and you know, I could vouch for that. I was a bit hungry after our conversation, if you can't tell. Her boring childhood got even more engaging when I learned that almost every weekend her family would drive into the city from Smithtown, Long Island to visit her grandparents. So about an hour drive, give or take. I had known none of this. The family tree has always been a blur to me, and it was kind of clear through our conversation. And now, again, here's something else. You went and visited your grandparents. I've heard a lot about, that's a thing, Grandma, I don't know what her name is. My I've, grandmother, Eve. Grandma Eve, okay. Yes. No, that's what Evan's name after, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, Grandmother Eve, all I know about her is her garden. No. That's not her. She didn't have a garden. No, my grandfather Sam had a garden in the Bronx. Sam, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's married to Eve. No, not? no, he was married to Anne. Okay, so there's Anne. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's Aunt, Grandfather Sam mm -hmm. and Anne. Mm hmm. And then there's Grandmother Eve. Mm-hmm. And Grandpa Harry, which I, he died when I was two. On most occasions, every weekend they'd visit her grandmother Eve, whom my brother Evan was actually named after. Here she had quite a vivid memory of the exact layout of her apartment. It was actually uncanny how clear this memory was. Almost as if she had visited, like, last weekend. She then began reminiscing of these weekends. I can tell in her voice that these memories held a special place on her bookshelf of memories. A genuine smirk crafted its way upon her face. Her focused eye contact slowly shifted around the room and eventually up towards the meeting between the wall and ceiling, as if a memory bubble was being streamed out of her mind and she was watching a clip on rerun, kind of like a bored student in an old cartoon would to pass time in class. 
stay there over the weekend. And my favorite thing to do when we went to the Bronx, because she lived in an apartment building on the sixth floor, is that I would sit with all the older ladies okay. in the front of the building. Okay. And we used to, every evening, they would bring down the folding chairs. And we used to sit in front of the building. Okay, and this is outside? Yeah. And, okay. And all the old ladies would chat, and I'd sit with all of them. And then we'd walk down to a Carvel and get an ice cream cone. Oh, Carvel teens. Yes, and my grandmother's <laughs> favorite ice cream, and she actually had it right the night that she passed. Okay. Was a Lollapalooza. A Lollapalooza? Do they still sell that? No, I wish they did, they because it was a long ice cream on a stick. And then sprinkles all around it, like okay. a fennet. And it, all you did was taste all the sprinkles. Wow. The night her grandmother passed, she was eating her favorite ice cream. To me, that seems like a beautiful way to pass. To my mother, it's a haunting memory. She actually experienced the passing of her grandmother at a very young age. At the time, her grandmother had moved in with them from the Bronx to their home in Smithtown. In their dining room, actually. She was sick for many months, and her family took care of her. The night of her passing, my mother was awake, and actually heard the sounds of her grandmother passing. She was the only one to hear this. In our conversation, she seemed to only touch over this horrid image. Understandable. So I decided to not go any further. But why was she the only one awake to hear this? Did it just so happen to wake her up? Her room, though, was nowhere near the dining room where her grandmother was. But it was near the rest of the bedrooms, where everybody else was. Why did not wake anybody else up? Was she up before her passing? Fun fact, my mother is a medium. Oh wait, did I forget to mention that? What if this is where she got her start? Did she have a feeling that night was the night? After all, I get the sense that my mother was probably the closest one in the family to her grandmother Eve. And with this bond so strong, it only makes sense that... These innate medium abilities kicked in at the perfect time. After that night, her family goes on to almost never mention her grandmother Eve again. I could tell this disturbed my mother, and this was something she knew she had to change when the time came. It was in a special needs preschool run by a rabbi where my mother not only earned her first teaching job, but also met my father. Love at first sight. Well, maybe not. But it was when she first saw my dad, a psychologist for the school, working with a young autistic boy, when my mother fell in love with him. She described how gentle and kind he was with the boy, while having a pure expression of joy ran all over every inch of his face. My mother to this day is devoted to helping children on the autism spectrum and has made a career out of this passion, so it comes as no surprise that this was the defining moment in their relationship. Their relationship was quite unconventional for the time period. My mother, Jewish, my father, unknown the sect of Christianity, but Christianity nonetheless. Ten years of age separated them. My mother had never really been through a serious relationship before, and my father, only a few one in which he was cheated on and deterred from relationships until after his experience of serving in the Navy. On top of all that, my mother asked out my father on their first date, walking along the boardwalk. She always described their relationship as never having a dating phase. There was no blind date, 
they both never skipped around to other people. There was no friends in common. It just sort of happened. Even prior to the beach date, I asked if there was ever any real flirtatious phase, and she simply responded with, no. They got to know each other, though, through endless drawn-out meetings every week. Small talk was just about present. At each other, and then one day he said to me, "How was your weekend?" Okay, and I said, "Very religious," because it was Rosh Hashanah. So not so good. He was probably like, "No, <laughs> I thought it was good," but I said, "Very yeah. religious," and I guess he just giggled, like okay. he did with everything with me. During the last weeks of my father here on Earth, in the hospice bedroom, while laying on his deathbed, he told a story that my mother had never known their entire 25 years of marriage. During the first meeting that they both attended together, my father looked over at my mother for the very first time and just immediately thought, wow. He was a man of very few words, so this story testifies. Maybe it really was love at first sight. Unconventional love at first sight. This was no cheesy 90s love story of gazing into each other's eyes. This was unspoken stories of glances passed at each other in which they both just knew. No flirtatious remarks, no complicated dating history or connections through friends. Just pure knowing. This motif seems to repeat itself. On paper, they both actually seem so different. My father grew up in a rural upstate New York in a Christian family with an extensive history of divorce and remarriage amongst his parents. My mother, on the other hand, lived in suburban Long Island to two Jewish parents that had known each other their entire lives and still married to this day. Their taste in music, movies, television, and sports? Different. So how did they just know? Why did this relationship last 25 full years? As a high schooler, I've seen many relationships around me come and go. Couples that almost seemingly inseparable and share common interests in every which way but then dissolve after a year. So what made their bond so much stronger that the only force capable of pulling them apart was death? Loving was the marriage. It was loving, kind, easy, fun. Um, we very rarely argued. Um, neither one of us want, ever wanted to be confrontational we just wanted just to be easy um neither one of us got off on arguing mm-hmm. um and i guess i started seeing more of myself and then i wanted to know a little bit more about him yeah well you know in depth of what his feelings were but he wasn't really th- there on that um but our values for our marriage, you know, hence why I know we have the men that we do, was was core. It was, you know, faithful, caring, respectful, loving, devoted. Values. She repeats that word often. At first, I was confused as to what this actually meant. It just seemed so broad. Values? That can mean anything. How is it that the ultimate bond between what she describes as a soulmate-level relationship? According to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, values can be defined as 
a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. Just one simple word can be the deciding factor of a healthy and happy 25-year marriage? Where did these synchronized values originate? Through this confusion, I mentioned religion as a possible explanation. A difference of religion is a deal-breaker for many. Religion is so vast with an innumerable amount of beliefs and stories. How can a Christian and a Jew come together to provide a healthy lifestyle for two young boys with very little to no conflict? Wars are fought over religion for centuries. Many lives lost due to simple difference in beliefs, yet a, qu a quite beautiful love story blossomed from this difference? This must be a paradox, right? One of the second questions I asked him on our, on our date was, actually it wasn't a question. <laughs> no, it was more of a statement. It was a statement. <laughs> I'm raising my children Jewish. And he said? Okay. okay. <laughs> Again, a man of very few words. Eight years ago, my mother met what's now become her, what she calls dear best friend, or as they say, DBF by the name of Christine. Christine, a doctor of metaphysics, introduced my mother to intensive spiritual therapy. Through these therapy sessions, my mother began to find who she really was. She learned much about her current life, personal history, higher self, and past lives. My mother truly believes that this work is what shaped her into the woman she is today. Without Christine and the work she has done on herself, she believes the passing of my father could have been disastrous. When beginning this work with Christine, despite the financial costs, my father was more than supportive. He was always non-judgmental by any means, and even quoted towards the end of his journey while conversing with my mother, You're not the woman you were the day I met you. Sometimes a line such as that can be conceived or even implied in a negative way. My father, though, stated it in the most loving way possible. He recognized these beautiful traits she had picked up along the way since beginning work with Christine, which was truly astonished by the strength that had began to illuminate her. So much so, that during the months of being diagnosed with cancer, sick on a hospital bed, he himself began spiritual therapy with Christine. Though only a few sections, he too was piqued by the curiosity about the Christian religion and Jesus Christ. These were his roots that he had never actually explored in great detail. Months later, through much complications, it was eventually his time. God had decided his work on earth had come to a conclusion, and in September 2015, he checked into a hospice facility. When we got into Good Shepherd Hospice, and the cross was up, and they said, well, you're Jewish. Should we take the cross down? He said, no. Well, how is your wife gonna feel? She gonna feel fine. It was moments like these that I realized that differences simply do not matter. That's the bottom line. Lisa and Douglas Walters were different people by all means, except for their values. And in the end, that is all that mattered. A value they shared was raising a family under a stable religion. An established faith they believed was a key to raising grounded individuals. Beyond that, religion to them was just a broad concept with room for loose interpretations that embodied positive values no matter the religion. Faith, another word my mom always has on repeat. 
Eventually, though, their lives came full circle. My father was baptized and passed away with a cross right above his head. In between that, he explored his options and converted to Judaism to marry his soulmate, while never changing his values. My mother, born Jewish while participating in her best friend's Christian youth group, bought mitzvah and raised both of her children Jewish. Currently, she attends church every Sunday with no intention of stopping. I don't think either of them actually knew what religion they were, nor did they even care. They knew they believed in being supportive of each other and to their family, being responsible, respectful, inclusive, mature, and most importantly, loving. And really, right before he passed, he said there's only one word that we have for each other now, and it's love. Thursdays with Mom is a JW production, written and produced by Jerome Walters, with special thanks to Mr. McDougall for signing this project.